It's time for a Big Blue Kickoff Live. Nobody can ever tell you that you couldn't do it because you did. On Giants.com. You know what I saw? New York Giant Prime. And the Giants mobile app. We'll punch you in the nose for 60 minutes with a relentless competitive attitude. Part of the Giants Podcast Network. Let's go out there like a bunch of crazy dogs. That's some fun. Welcome to Tuesday's edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live right here on Giants.com and the Giants mobile app. John Schmelk, Lance Meadow with you. The phone number is 973-667-1960, 973-667-1960. Also, hashtag Giants chat on Twitter if you want to get in touch with us that way. You certainly can. We're going to have a little bit of a longer open for you today as we do one of my favorite exercises every offseason where we go position by position and rank the NFC East teams one through four at each spot. We'll include special teams and coaching in this as well. And then at the end, we'll see the total points for each team in the division, and we'll see where they rank. These are obviously are not meant to be scientific, but I think, Lance, it gives us a good way to kind of look at a basic gauge of overall talent on each one of these teams. Well, plus, there's been a lot of changes on various rosters, too. So, you know, things are not just carrying over from 2020. You have some different coaches in the mix. And I thought some of the teams in the division have done a nice job trying to plug in some of their holes and issues. So I think it's just a nice outlook of everything that has occurred really over the last few months as we get set for the start of training camp. Yeah, it'd be a good way to kind of set us up for our opponent previews, which start next week as we kind of look at each team in a little bit more detail as we get ready for the 2021 season. All right, Lance, uh, we will do Lance and I, by the way, we'll give our ratings today. And then I think it'll actually be me, Paul and Fiegels will do our second set of ratings tomorrow. We'll have a guest on Thursday and then no show on Friday or on Friday for Juneteenth. So that's kind of where we are this week, everybody. So just to keep in mind, that's the programming schedule, and we are live every day at noon. So, Lance, let's look at quarterback first. And, look, I think the easy way to start here is that I think the Cowboys have to be the top team at quarterback with Dak Prescott returning. He seemed to be a full go in OTAs where the ankle wasn't even really an issue. So I think that's an easy one. It gets a little bit tougher when we start thinking about who number two in the division is. Yeah, well, also Dak has, I think, the most consistent resume, John, of, oh, of all course. the quarterbacks. Meaning you know what you're going to get out of him, or at least you have a good idea because he's done it for multiple seasons, and he hasn't changed teams. He's still with the same organization, plus the offensive coordinator hasn't changed despite the fact that you had a new head coach last season. So I think when you take all of that into consideration, I don't really think there's anything to debate. Dak Prescott, to me, is straight in front of this entire group in terms of who the top quarterback is. Now, this is where it gets a little bit tricky, right? Because, remember, this is simply a procedure that's judging potential performance in 2021. This has nothing to do with the future. Who would you rather have for the next five years? It's simply to see who would you rather have for one season. So then the question, I think... Jalen Hurts, I think we would agree, Lance, probably has the most to prove in this group, right? So he, Yeah, I think so, that's probably the biggest question mark because there's right. just not much of a sample size. I agree. So let, let's give the Eagles one point. They're in last in this category. But I think the Daniel Jones, Ryan Fitzpatrick conversation is interesting because the Dolphins last year in the nine games Fitzpatrick started played well. But in those games, Fitzpatrick had just 13 touchdowns and eight interceptions. All right, he averaged in those games 230 passing yards per game, which is fine. It's not spectacular. 95 quarterback rating, good. But 
it's not like, you know, he's a very up-and-down quarterback. He can have good games and bad games. He has turnover issues the same way Daniel Jones does. So I could go either way here. If I'm anticipating and you wanted me to give you uh, an honest answer, who do I think will have a better individual year this year? I think I would say Daniel Jones, but obviously Ryan Fitzpatrick has a, you know, more of a history of being able to do it at the NFL level. Where would you rank these two? How do you look at it? Yeah, I think this is a tough one because I really could go back and forth with each one of them. Fitzpatrick clearly has more experience than Daniel Jones, but Daniel Jones is now entering the second year with the same offensive coordinator. See, if it was a new coordinator again, I probably would easily go to the side of Ryan Fitzpatrick, but now Ryan's learning a new offense. But then again, he's done that all throughout the course of his career. And I think I've said this multiple times on the program, Ryan, to me, could have the 2015 season he had with the Jets because I really like the person that they have compiled on offense at the skilled positions around Ryan Fitzpatrick. And he's proven that when he's got some talent, he can let those guys do the heavy lifting. Then again, the Giants, I think, did the same thing with Daniel Jones, where they've given him a lot of good talent. Daniel Jones, Ryan Fitzpatrick, both mobile. They both can run, extend plays. I mean, there's a lot in terms of the check marks that you want to go through the list. I'll go slight edge to Daniel Jones here because he's the younger guy. There's a little bit more upside. You don't yet know what you have out of him. Whereas Ryan Fitzpatrick, I think he clearly has reached his ceiling at this point, meaning you know how high he can go. Daniel Jones maybe has some room to branch out beyond that. So I'll give the edge, but I'm talking it's a very, very slight edge, John, for Daniel Jones. I agree. I would have been willing to tie them at two and a half each, but I agree. I think... Fitzpatrick could also be on the downside, right? He's going to be 39 this year, and Jones is on the way up. So I'm with you. I agree. So let's put Daniel Jones at second here with three points. We'll put Washington at two. And then Tyler Haneke, who knows? Maybe he at some point is going to earn his way onto the field. He played a heck of a playoff game in that first round of the division. And by the way, he wasn't bad in in the second round either. They were just playing a team that was really good. So, um, you know, anyway. So now let's well they didn't get to the second round, but they didn't it, get to the second round. Yeah. But in, in the second half of that game, his numbers went down. But I thought he still played pretty well. But they said second half, not second. Well, game. remember he played but, late in that game against Carolina in the yes, regular season. That's what I was thinking. That Thank was you. I think the game yes. that you were referring to. That's exactly yeah. what I was referring to. Thank you. All right, let's go to running back here, and this I also think is pretty tough, Lance, because I think. I think there are some concerns about Ezekiel Elliott, whether or not he's on a bit of a downside here. His number of explosive plays is way way down. But Saquon Barkley, coming off of a knee injury, he's been injured two straight years. Uh, They have not announced a timetable. He he declined to announce a timetable. There's news out of Dallas that Elliott's in the greatest shape of his life, blah, blah, blah. We've heard all that before. I don't take too much out of that. And then you throw in Antonio Gibson, who I think has, has shown some skills with Washington, and then you have the Miles Sanders and the rest of the crew in Philadelphia running back. But I do think at the top here, we're deciding between Elliott and Barkley. And I think if both players are healthy coming off of a full-strength year, I think I'm tipping the cap to Barkley here. But I have trouble ranking him ahead of Elliott coming off of an ACL and some of the questions we have with where he is in his recovery. Well, I'm also looking at, unless your interpretation is different than mine, John, I'm looking at the running back depth chart. Oh, yeah, I that too. That's a good point. To take Tony Pollard's good. That's a really good point, Lance. You yeah, should. I'm not just looking at it who the starter is. That's I want to know if you lose your starter, what do you feel about the next guy? And most teams utilize multiple running backs, even if it's for a few carries. So That's a great point. It's a great I'm point. I'm not so much looking at the top four guys that you laid out. I'm looking at who do I feel good about the group overall. And with Zeke... 
I'm also considering Tony Pollard, who sort of had his coming out party last season because he had a game where they actually allowed him to be the guy because Zeke was sidelined. Unfortunately, it didn't put me over the top in my fantasy game, but that's a whole other story that we'll revisit at a later time. But anyway, getting back to the the point at hand here. Feel free to revisit that anytime you want, by the way. Well, it was a heartbreaking loss that I clearly have not recovered from. Yeah, I know. I didn't even bring it up. Jeez. Yeah, well, it lasts with me for a good portion of the offseason. Take that seriously after you invest so much time in that. But anyway. So I consider Pollard. I also consider, for example, Washington has J.D. McKissick as well as Peyton Barber. And Philadelphia has Boston Scott playing behind Miles Sanders. The Giants, I know they brought in Devontae Booker, but I think there's more question marks about the Giants' depth chart than some of those other teams. So I'm going to put Dallas number one, and then I think it's more interesting about Washington versus Philadelphia And to me right now, John, I'm putting the Giants in fourth because I think there's some question marks about what those guys could do behind Saquon, assuming they ask them to play a significant role. Wow, that's that's strong. Um, All right, I agree. I think Pollard puts Dallas over the top for number one. I agree with you there. I, I think that's a I think that's a good way to look at it. The question is, though, with Philadelphia, like Boston Scott's not even an every down back. They drafted Kenneth Gainwell. And Miles Sanders has so many injury issues, Lance. I have a hard time putting them ahead of of the Giants. They also brought in Carryon Johnson, too, the former Lions running back. They got a number of guys. No, they did. You're right. I see him there in the depth chart, too. And they have Jordan Howard, I think, still in their roster also. Yeah. They're going with the... Um, with the uh, Straight by with committee, numbers, yeah. uh, yes, strategy, absolutely. I like Antonio Gibson. You know, no one else really on that depth chart really gets me excited. McKissick's fine. Peyton Barber's okay. I would probably go Dallas Giants, and then Philly and Washington. I would probably put in a dead heat. If I made you choose between Philly and Washington, which group would you rather have? I'll go Washington number two in my book. Okay. I like Gibson. Uh, McKissick, I think, is extremely underrated. He actually had a really nice season. No, he did. So that guy has a tremendous amount of value in my book because he's also very good on third down and pass protection. And, you know, Barber's another one of those guys. He's not a big name, but I just think those running backs fit very well into what Scott Turner wants to run. So I'll give you the fact that Philadelphia has some injury concern, maybe, including Miles Sanders. So that's why Washington, to me, I'll put ahead of Philadelphia. And once again, I have nothing against Saquon Barkley. It's just he's coming off the torn ACL, significant injury. And then the guys behind him, there's potential, John, but I don't think there's enough proof compared to what the other teams have working behind their starters. All right, so we, we do not have consensus on this. Do you want to just tie the three teams and, and, and put them all two? Is that how you want to handle this? And then Well, well when you compile these numbers, the are you going to just take the average of how we all rank them? How exactly are you going to compute well, that? Well, what I'm doing, I'm taking our rankings together, and then I'm going to take Fegos oh, and Oh, okay, Pitino I thought together, you were going to do everybody on an individual basis. I do not have that right now. I can, if you would, if you would like me to. I well, just I think, think that may be the simple way to go about it, so you don't have to worry about... Yeah. The two of our numbers coming together. All right, that you know what? That's actually a pretty. That good just point. may be easy from All a right. mathematic standpoint. Okay, so we just yeah. happen to be in agreement on the corpse. I can do that. That's fine. Okay, so I'm going to put the Giants number two here for running back, and you are putting, you said Washington as your number, number two. two, correct? Yes. Okay, and you're putting um, Philly three, Giants four. Yes, Philly three, and Giants four. And remember, another thing I just want to add as you write these numbers down, Wayne Goleman, who 
had a very nice season. He's no longer in the picture. If Wayne Goldman's still here, John, I think my mindset changes because at least I know what I'm having out of Wayne Goldman. You've completely changed that to Devontae Booker, who has been a change of pace running back for the bulk of his career. And Corey Clement was also a change of pace guy on the back end of the Philadelphia depth chart. I just, I haven't seen enough of them in a role where they're the definitive backup to know what they could do, or in the event that you had to give them a starting job, what they could do. I have a little better idea in terms of the other teams. And once again, I telling you my rationale is depth chart, not just the starter. I'm compiling everything together. Yep, I got you. All right, let, let, let's go to wide receiver here. Um, as great as the Giants' additions in their wide receiver cores, I think this is actually one of the easier groups to kind of hash out here, to be totally honest with you. I think Dallas with Gallup, Cooper, and Lamb is clearly number one. Hard to top that. Right? And <laughs> frankly, I think the Giants are number two with the addition of Galladay, throwing Tony, throwing Sterling Shepard, throwing Darius Slayton. I really like Terry McLaurin. I think Curtis Samuel's a solid number two, but I don't really, you know, Deami Brown, I guess, could be their number three. Maybe Steven Sims, Adam Humphreys. Cam Sims is another yeah, guy they have in the mix. Another guy. They have a lot of numbers there. And then Philadelphia has a lot of young guys. You know, Devontae Smith, Jalen Rager, that we have a lot of questions about. And so, injury concerns, too, Philadelphia yes, has. Yes, I agree. Yeah. So I would go Cowboys four, uh, Cowboys number one, rather, Giants number two. I would go Washington number three, and I would go Philly number four in this exercise for me. Yeah, I'm in complete agreement with you there. I think Washington is one of those interesting situations because I really like the addition of Curtis Samuel, and some of the guys behind those two have flashed. Maybe we haven't seen it enough consistently, so that's why the Giants get the edge over Washington because when you go towards the back end, I think the Giants have a little bit more proven talent. But Washington's one of those teams to just watch out for this season because sometimes names, you can overlook production or upside, and I do like what their receiving core is composed of and what Scott Turner could tap into, but I'm in agreement in terms of those four rankings. Perfect. All right, let's go to tight end here. And Lance, frankly, I think I... Look, I'm going to assume Zach Ertz is not playing for the Eagles this year because that he seems to just say... He's saying I'm not playing for the Eagles, right? So I have to take a notch off for that. Otherwise, the Ertz-Goddard combination, I think, would be number one. Plus, they have Richard Rodgers, I believe, still on the roster too, who's filled in nicely. They do, but I, I frankly really like the Giants combinations of tight ends. I think I'm going to put them number one with, with Kyle Rudolph and Evan Ingram. I don't think any other team is that combination of, of players at tight ends that, that the Giants do. So I think I have to put them at number one. Number two with Goddard. Here's the thing. I really like Logan Thomas. He had a very underrated year last year for Washington. Oh, yeah. I think he was tremendous. Goddard is good. And they also have Rodgers. Ertz is still there. I'm going to still put Philly at number two here. Just because, you know, Goddard's there, Ertz is on the roster, Richard Rodgers is pretty good. Washington, I don't feel great about who their second tight end is after Logan Thomas. So I'll give the edge to the Eagles on that. So I'm going to go Giants 1, Eagles 2, Washington 3, and then Dallas 4th for tight ends. I agree with you on the first two. I have Giants 1. I think they have more proven depth. Philadelphia, listen, until Ertz has moved, John, I'm considering him part of the team. So he's under contract. I mean, he could threaten all he wants, but the bottom line is he's under contract, and I really like Goddard and Richard Rodgers, so I'll give them the edge. I have Dallas three because Blake Jarwin I know is coming off the ACL, but Jarwin previously has proven to be a very dynamic tight end. And Dalton Schultz you know, made some plays for them last yeah, he season. he was solid. So, yep, he was yeah, solid. Yeah, so they have some guys with experience. 
I'm with you after Logan Thomas, and I really like Logan Thomas. I mean, kudos to him for just absolutely redefining himself after he was a quarterback in the NFL yeah. and now becoming, you know, a really big-time target in that Washington offense. But if Thomas, God forbid, gets hurt, boy, I mean, Washington really has to dig deep to see what they have, at least from a receiving standpoint. Some of those guys are really good blockers. You just don't know if they could go out, run routes, and be a threat in the passing game. So I'm going to put Dallas ahead of Washington in terms of my rankings. Fair enough. All right, let's go to the offensive line here, Lance. And look, I realize they have some injury concerns, but if you look at pure talent here, I think it's hard not to rank the Cowboys the top offensive line in the division at this point. You know, Tyron Smith and Lael Collins, who were both out for the majority of last year, were active in OTAs. It looks like they're going to be back. Zach Martin's still one of the best guards in football. You know, left guard Connor Williams is the fourth year as a starter. Started all 16 games right. last year. It's yeah. the only one. And then at yeah. center, they have the combination of Tyler Biotish, Connor McGovern, trying to figure out what they're going to do at center. But I have a hard time ranking another team ahead of Dallas to me. They're a pretty easy number one here. And despite the fact Philadelphia you know, has some injuries and some moving parts. They still have Jason Kelsey. They still have Brandon Brooks. They still have Lane Johnson. Andre Dillon was a first-round pick. Isaac Sayamalu's not, not a pro bowl or an all-pro guy, but he's a solid starter. I still have to go Cowboys 1 and Eagles 2 here. And then I think it gets interesting between the Giants and Washington. Yeah, I'm with you. Both of the teams, Dallas and Philadelphia, the common theme is they have guys returning from injury. So you really can't look at last year because there were a lot of guys out of the lineup. So I think it's a good way to describe the reinforcements that are coming aboard in this division. So I do like Dallas 1. I like Philadelphia 2. Washington is one of those teams that also brought in reinforcements, but those guys weren't previously on the team. So, for example, Charles Leno Jr. comes over from the Bears. Eric Flowers was there two years ago. Then he went to Miami. Now he's back. I do think Flowers has played much better as a guard, so you can't dismiss that. Cornelius Lucas is probably their biggest question mark at right tackle, and Brandon Sheriff and Chase Rullier have been pretty much staples at right guard and center, respectively. The Giants, well, you got youth. And you got development on this offensive line. And I'd say you've got more youth and development than Washington. So if I'm going to weigh experience, John, and I'm going to weigh guys playing together with one another, I think you got to give the edge to Washington over the Giants in this case. Yeah, and they have Brandon Sheriff, who is a sure thing, right? Yeah. And say what you want about Eric Flowers. He has been a fairly effective guard in the league. Leno's been a starting tackle for a long time. I think the Giants line actually probably has more upside sure. than the Washington line. But I think Washington's probably the safer choice here. I could see it going both ways, but I agree. I think we can give the edge to Washington here just because they have guys that have shown that they can do it in the league. Yeah, they have guys that have started for multiple seasons in the NFL, and we don't know what's going to happen at right tackle. Okay, Matt Parrott barely had a lot of snaps last season. Okay, Andrew Thomas is entering year two. Shane Lemieux entering year two. Hernandez, does he switch positions, John? Does he go from left side to right side? Does he return to the left? And Nick Gates is still a relatively young center. So there's a lot more youth and inexperience on the Giants' offensive line compared to Washington. Whether or not upside plays out in favor of the Giants, I don't think is necessarily what we're debating. I think when you rank these positional groups, you have to go with also what you've seen and what you believe these guys could do. The Giants, by the end of this season, we could be looking at this offensive line differently. But right, right now, I still think there's more of an unknown. I agree. All right, so just the offensive numbers here before we jump over to defense, Lance. Uh, we have the Cowboys. I have them with 17 points. You have them with 18 we both have the Giants in second place. I have them with 14 points. You have them with 12. Uh, third place, 
we I have or you rather have the Eagles with ten points, and I have Washington and the Eagles both tied with nine and a half. So uh, we have to tie. We actually are both tied here for third place. Washington and Philadelphia, you with ten total points, me with nine and a half. I had one tie in there. So um, yeah, so that's where we're at now. The and frankly, knowing how well the Giants' defense played, the fact the Giants are pretty comfortably in second place with our offensive rankings here. I think that bodes pretty well for them as we head into the defensive side of the ball here. Sure. Yeah, especially since we have not talked about the secondary and even, you know, some of the options perhaps in the pass rushing game. That's fair. All right, let's go to the defensive side of the ball, folks. I Just to keep the position groups equal, I want to try to do five categories on each side of the ball here. So I split it up defensive line, which is primarily your interior guys, right? Or if you're a 3-4, three, you three-man down line, otherwise 4-3 or two defensive tackles. Then I have edge rusher as a category, inside linebacker, which are your, you know, inside linebackers slash off-ball linebackers. If you're in the 4-3, like your will linebacker would be in this category, right? Cornerback and safety. So those are the five defensive categories I have here. Lance, let's start on the interior on the defensive line. The one thing I know for sure here, and then I'll let you lead off, I know I'm ranking the Cowboys last in terms of defensive tackles. Other than that, an interior defensive line, you have three pretty darn talented groups of interior defensive linemen here with Philadelphia, the Giants, and Washington. Yeah, Washington, I know we're only talking about the interior guys, but Washington as a unit probably has the strongest unit. They drafted all these guys in the first round. Yeah, though, by the way, Deron Payne, Payne, Jonathan Allen, and Matt Ioannidis are nothing to sneeze at either, just as interior guys. Those are, they're darn good. 100%. Plus, remember, Ioannidis was hurt last season. People forget about him. Yeah. He didn't play because he got hurt and very early pl- in the he's year. So now player. he's coming back. Very similar to how we talked about the offensive line. You can't forget about the guys that have some proven talent that are returning. And then, of course, you have Deron Payne and Jonathan Allen. Philadelphia, you know, the guys are getting a little bit up there in age. I certainly like Fletcher Cox. Hargrave is the solid guy that they added from the Steelers. They drafted Milton Williams, who I think is an extremely intriguing pick. But I think when you add the experience, the upside, I would give Washington the edge over Philadelphia. So Washington would be number one. Philadelphia would be number two. The Giants would be three. And then Dallas probably has the most question marks. So therefore, therefore. Interesting. See, I think I would probably put... Philly because of their age, and I don't think they had the depth that they once had inside, so I'm going to put them in third. I'm going to put Washington one because of Payne and Allen. I'm going to put the Giants at number two because I think Leonard Williams and Dexter Lawrence, I think they compare pretty favorably to, you know, Fletcher Cox and Javon Hargrave. You know what I mean? They do. I just, I look at the fact that, once again, Leonard Williams... 11 and a half sacks for the first time in his career. Can he do that again? Fletcher Cox, Hargrave. I've seen what those guys could do over a variety of seasons. So I'm a little bit more sold than I know what I'm getting out of Philly's veterans compared to the Giants. So that's why I gave Philadelphia the edge over New York. Okay, so you're giving Philly second place, Washington first place, Dallas in last, and you did the Giants in third. Okay, perfect. All right, let's go to the edge rusher spot here. And look, I think it's hard to argue that anyone but Washington here is number one. I like Brandon Graham and Derek Barnett, Lance, and Ryan Kerrigan's there too, and Josh Sweat's good. But Chase Young and Montez Sweat, I know there's not as much depth behind those two guys, but they're young, they're in their prime, they're dynamic, and they're so good. I think Brandon Graham at some point is probably going to fall off a little bit. I think I got to put Washington number one here at edge rusher. See, I'm going to go the opposite of you. 
because of the rationale you use for the interior linemen. I'm going to go Washington ahead of Philly, Philly, excuse me, ahead of Washington because I'm considering the depth here. I'm concerned about Chase Young and Montez Sweat, who's behind them, John. That's my concern. Whereas in Philadelphia, I'll add another name that you didn't mention. They have Josh Sweat, who was a fourth-round pick in 2018, who, who has shown some really nice flashes and has, I think, earned a spot in the rotation. So you could argue with the addition of Kerrigan and obviously Barnett, Brandon Graham, and Sweat, they really have four guys that they can rotate on the edge. Washington doesn't have as many based on the numbers game. So Philadelphia, to me, is one. Washington's two. And then I think I had to put Dallas three because I think Demarcus Lawrence is just head and shoulders above anyone the Giants have coming off the edge. Randy Gregory, you know, is coming off a comeback year, coming off all those suspensions. He seems to kind of have his life together a little bit, which is good to see. So to me... And by the way, we never talked about the Dallas interior guys who just, you know, Carlos Watkins. I think people would be like, who's that? You know, Tristan <laughs> Hill coming off injury, then just a couple of draft picks. Neville Gallimore, a draft pick from last year. So I think there are a lot of questions there on the Dallas front, but Demarcus Lawrence's presence at end, throwing Randy Gregory. I would put Dallas third in this group. And then with the Giants, we've talked about their edge rusher class. I like Aziz Ojolari a lot. Lorenzo Carter's coming off in Achilles. A lot of guys that I think can do it, but haven't proven they can do it. So I think I got to go Dallas third here and the Giants at fourth. Well, and here's the other thing I'd add. Demarcus Lawrence is better than anyone you'd put up against him from the Giants. Oh, and, and, and it's not close. Yeah, so, I mean, that gives Dallas a significant advantage over the Giants. I mean, you could tell me that the Giants have more volume if somebody wanted to make that argument because they yep. have some intriguing options. But even with the volume, Demarcus Lawrence is still by far the best pass rusher compared to anybody who can make an argument with the Giants. So I think that alone is the reason why Dallas belongs in the third spot. All right, let's take a look at inside linebacker here, and this is going to be different. Or This, again, inside linebacker slash off-ball linebacker here. So for the Giants, they're only going to have two guys in this list because they're kind of in there 3-4 with the two inside linebackers, which is the combination of Blake Martinez, Reggie Ragland, Tay Crowder. You know, maybe you want to include Carter Coffin in there in that group. You can. The Cowboys just decided to invest incredibly in their inside linebacker core with high draft picks. So they have Jalen Smith, Micah Parsons, Leighton Van Der Esch, and Jabril Cox. So that's just a, a plethora of guys in the middle there. Philadelphia, this is a spot they have never really invested a ton in. TJ Edwards, Jannard Avery, Alex Singleton, their linebackers. And then Washington's going to throw out there Cole Holcomb, John Bostic. They drafted Jamin Davis uh, in the first round this year. So, Lance, I think I got to give Dallas the edge here in terms of off ball inside linebackers. I would rank them my top group. After that, since no other team has a player as good as Blake Martinez, I have trouble ranking Philadelphia or Washington ahead of the Giants in this situation just because of what Blake Martinez can do. So I think I would put the Giants second here. Jamin Davis is a, is a, or Jamin Davis is a very good high draft pick, and the Eagles just haven't really invested in that spot. So I'll put Washington third and Philadelphia fourth for me. Yeah, I'm in agreement with your rankings. I like Washington's group. Holcomb was hurt for most of last season. So, unfortunately, he didn't get as much time as he would have hoped. John Bostick's been a journeyman, a solid veteran linebacker, and they have the upside with Davis, the rookie. But I don't think they have a Blake Martinez, so therefore the Giants would go ahead of Washington. And Philadelphia, once again, has some young guys with some veterans. I just don't look at them as having a dynamic playmaker at yep. that second level compared to what at least Washington has to offer. So that, to me, is why I think Philadelphia belongs in the fourth and final spot there. I agree. All right, let's go to the cornerback spot, Lance. 
we have agreement on most of these defensive spouts, honestly. And look, I think at cornerback, let's start with the Giants. James Bradbury, Adoree Jackson, a couple of young guys inside, and Darnay Holmes and Aaron Robinson. Then we know the other names that are behind them. The Dallas have invested a lot in the cornerback position, but there's much like with the Giants, we talk about their offensive line, right? It's kind of the same deal with the Cowboys secondary. They got a bunch of young guys that they've invested in, but we don't really know what they are yet. Kelvin Joseph, second round pick. Trayvon Diggs, second round pick. Jordan Lewis, I think he just got a second contract. Anthony Brown, these are names you know. Reggie Robinson was a draft pick last year. They think they're moving him to safety. Uh, Nashawn Wright was a draft pick this year. So they have a lot of young guys at corner, which is a really dangerous game to play. Washington is throwing out William Jackson, Kendall Fuller, Jimmy Moreland, which is a really nice group, I think, one through three. And then Philly with Darius Slay, Avante Maddox, and then throw in some of their guys inside that are a little bit younger. So for me, Lance, I think I'm going Giants one here. I think I'm going Washington number two. I think I have to go Philadelphia number three, and I think I'm going Dallas number four. Yeah, I'm with you with the Giants number one. I'll give Washington the edge over the other teams because I think Kendall Fuller adding him back in the mix and William Jackson, the solid veteran from the Cincinnati Bengals, gives them a little bit more proven commodity to work with. See, Dallas has some intrigue because of their young guys. And, you know, Trayvon Diggs and Jordan Lewis have been in the NFL for at least one season. Lewis has been in the league a little bit more than Diggs. But, you know, on the opposite side, that's more of maybe the nickel and one side corner. The opposite side, you're probably going to start a young guy, whereas Philadelphia... Darius Slay is by far the best corner out of anybody else that you could compare to. And Avante Maddox has been in the league, and he's mixed inside and outside. So I'd give Philadelphia three and Dallas four under those circumstances. I agree. Okay, let's go to safety. Uh, One number that's pretty easy for the safety class, I think Dallas goes into the last spot because, frankly, we don't even know who their two starters are going to be. When I say it's an open competition, Lance, it's an open competition. Donovan Wilson is the only returning starter at that spot. And then, who the heck knows who the other starting safety for well, Dallas is Well, it could be DeMonte be. Casey, who they it added, former Falcon, who was with Dan Quinn, remember. C- coming off an Achilles injury, too. Sure. So, yeah. we'll have to see what they do there. But, yeah, I think he'd probably be the guy at pencil in, too. I agree with that. You look at Washington, Landon Collins coming off an injury. Cameron Curl with him. Philadelphia, Marcus Epps, and Anthony Harris. Of course, the um, Rodney McLeod's there, too. But, you know, the... Malcolm Jenkins' era there is over. And then the Giants, who are rolling out their, you know, numbers of safeties with Peppers, Logan Ryan, David McKinley, Julian Love. So I think Dallas is easily last, in my opinion. The Giants are easily first, in my opinion. And then I would probably put the Eagles number two because Anthony Harris is a darn good player. And then i probably put Washington number three. Yeah, I think Rodney Harris, uh, Rodney, I combined two uh, safeties there. Uh, <laughs> Anthony Harris, excuse me, was a really nice ad for them from Minnesota. And I was going to reference Rodney McLeod because, you know, that's another proven veteran. The problem is he's been a little bit injury plagued, but you still have him there. So Philadelphia, to me, deserves to get the number two spot. Washington would be three because of the presence of Landon Collins. And Cameron Curl is somewhat of an underrated player. And then I would go with, obviously, the Dallas Cowboys, mainly because you don't know who's the other starter. And you just wonder who could emerge. 
So, you know, whenever you have a bunch of young guys on a roster, that unit could turn out to be solid, depending on what Dan Quinn does. He's a very good defensive coordinator. It's just you got to see it before we can at least crown them in that regard. All right, so I'm just doing my composite rankings here very quickly, Lance. Uh, 5, 6, 11, and then that is ranked at uh, 7, 8, 13. Okay, so taking a quick look here, Lance, as we uh, take a look at these rankings for the defensive side of the ball. Um, Washington and the Giants are basically tied in our composite rankings. I give the Giants 15, you give, and I give Washington 15, you give the Giants 14, you give Washington 14 points here. So we have them tied in terms of where we stand. You have the Eagles with 13 points, I have them with just 11 points. So uh, you think they're a little bit better than I do than the Cowboys in last place at 9. So Giants and Washington tied for defense. Eagles coming up in third, and then Cowboys lagging way behind with just nine points out of those five positions. All right, let's do coaching and special teams here, Lance. Look, I think you've got to tip the cap, and I, you know, no one has said better things about Joe Judge than I have, but I think Ron Rivera has a pretty strong track record here, and the way he turned that team around last year, I have to give him the nod. I would put Joe Judge, in my opinion, number two in this list. I would put McCarthy number three. And then I would put Philadelphia with Siriano. We don't know exactly what he is yet. I would put the Philadelphia Eagles last at number one. Yeah, I think Washington deserves to be at the top. Plus, now, are we just looking at head coach or are we looking at the uh, entire coaching staff, staff you here? You can go to staff. You can do staff. Because, you know, Jack Del Rio is their defensive coordinator who's been a head coach, and I think he did a really nice job with that defense considering they had about 17 different quarterbacks who felt as if they were out there at some point. So I'm not overlooking that. And I think Scott Turner has done a really nice job on the offensive side of the ball. So really, when you look at the depth of the Washington staff, I think that enhances the argument for Ron Rivera. As far as number two, you know, you could go really either way here because Dallas now has Dan Quinn, another proven head coach who did really nice as the defensive coordinator for the Seattle Seahawks. Kellen Moore has been established as the offensive coordinator for the last few years. I mean, I know the Giants have Jason Garrett and Patrick Graham, but, you know, Mike McCarthy is a lot more experienced than Joe Judge. So if we're going to stay consistent, I'm going to go Dallas 2 with the Giants 3, and then I'll put Philadelphia 4 because that really is the complete unknown. You don't have a lot of head coaching experience behind Sirianni, and Sirianni's never been a head coach. All right, let's go to special teams here, Lance, as we wrap this up, then we'll look at our total numbers here. Uh, boy, you know, special teams are tough from team to team here. There are a lot of questions uh, for a lot of these teams. The Giants are returning most of their guys, and I think they have a real nice group of return men that they can choose from in terms of their return game, which I think you like. Jake Elliott returns for Philadelphia. Dallas, they're bringing back Legatron and, and Greg Zierlein. They're changing um, their punter this year. So I think, and you throw in special teams coaching here a little bit too, I think I would have to rank the Giants number one here in terms of special teams. I feel like I feel the best about their field goal kicker, and I probably feel the best about their return game as well. How would you rank it after that? I'm still trying to sort this out in my head here. This yeah, well, tough. you know, I was going to say you could really also make somewhat of an argument for Washington. I mean, Washington has Tress Way, who's yeah, one of the best punters. No, he does. Uh, Dustin Hopkins, okay, maybe he's not what the Giants have, but he's been a veteran solid kicker. I think he could do a lot worse. As far as their return man, you know, Antonio Gibson's one of their return guys. Maybe there's a question mark about who do they have as the punt returner this year. That's fair, but 
I would make a strong case for that. And then remember, Dallas, John's got C.D. Lamb and Tony Pollard as their return guys. Zerline has a very strong leg. And, you know, John Fossil is a very strong special teams coach, too, who's had a very strong track record of creativity and coaching guys up. So, you know, to me, you, know, you could really make a case for three of those teams, yeah. I would argue. No, I think that's fair. To be number one. It's, it's really like pulling hairs here in terms of, you know, who you're going to give the significant advantage to. If you want to look at the Giants and you want to talk about multiple options for return men, they probably have the depth that other teams don't. Graham Gano was money. And Riley Dixon is trying to come back from somewhat of a down year compared to his previous year. I mean, I'll give the Giants the slight edge, but it is very slight, John, in that category. I think you could easily make a case for some of these other teams. I'll go Dallas 2. I'll go Washington 3. I'll go Philadelphia 4. That's how I end up ranking it, too. I'm with you. All right, so let me do composite numbers here very quickly. Let me do some quick math on my head. 26, 31, 18, 17, 27, 33. Washington, for me... 30 and a half for you, 24, that's 30. And then Philadelphia, 11, 20 and a half, 22 and a half, 23, 25. All right, so here we go. Total numbers. Are you ready, Lance? I'm ready. All right, for me, the Giants came out number one at 36 off the strength of their defense, coaching, and special teams. Dallas came in second at 31. Third place was Washington at 30 and a half. And then Philadelphia was last at 22 and a half. You have the Cowboys at 33. The Giants right behind them at 32. Washington right behind them at 30. And then Philadelphia pick it up the rear at 25. So, one, and again, I tried to find the numbers from the last two years in our rankings. I couldn't track them down. I really tried. I just couldn't find them. And we saw the gap narrowing in these rankings. Like, we did this three years ago, and the Giants were right with Washington at the bottom. Last year, the Giants were in third place, but they were much closer to Philly and Dallas 1-2 than they were Washington 4th. Shows what the heck we're talking about, given how the standings turned out. And then this year, you see the Giants pushing right here in that top tier with Dallas. So I think we are seeing the talent lands on the team improving, and it's showing in just how these you know rankings are coming out with the way we're doing them. Well, I also think it has to do a little bit with what the defense showed last season, which wasn't necessarily a highly ranked unit coming in, but some of the free agents they added did a really nice job, specifically Blake Martinez and James Bradbury. And this was an offseason where the Giants focused a little bit more on the offensive side of the ball, where they've brought in some proven talent and some young guys. So I think if you look at the additions on the roster, it's hard to argue that the Giants haven't improved. The question is, as I've argued more often than not, it's one thing to show me a team, John, on paper. It's another thing to show me what a team can actually do on the field. Those are two different things. And I think the division outcome last season proved that because we were talking about Philadelphia would have a significant advantage with continuity on the coaching staff. And, you know, that didn't necessarily turn out to be the case. Now, granted, Philadelphia and Dallas were plagued by injuries last year. If you would have told me that, I would have obviously had a little bit more to work with. And I would have said, yeah, that's probably going to impact the outlook of those teams. And Washington was probably the most pleasant surprise 
because you had a lot of newness across the board, and you tell most teams you're not going to have one quarterback. You're going to have four quarterbacks. They're going to start at least one game. They'd probably tell you, yeah, you're not talking playoffs that year. So Washington, once again, emerged because I think the influence of the coaching staff and some of the younger talent that made an impact. So I think the point at hand here, John, is, and I'm actually glad that the rankings, at least from how I finished it, are neck and neck because I really see the division in a similar way. I think that there's a very tight affair going on. I don't think there's a juggernaut in this division. I don't think there's a runaway team. And I think there's some depth in this division where you could make a case that multiple teams have a legitimate shot. And here's how I look at it before we get to the calls. There are different positions on each of these teams when I look at their groups that I say, all right, these are going to be the groups that are going to determine how this season goes. For the Giants, it's the quarterback position and it's the offensive line, right? If they outperform, you know, the numbers that we have for them, specifically the offensive line, and throw an edge rusher on defense, that can make the Giants really good because we have all their other units ranked high. We have the quarterback ranked high too, but still, we did that base a little bit on thinking he might improve a little bit. For Dallas, it's the secondary. They, they were ranked last at cornerback and safety. We talked about this with the Giants the last few years, right? It's hard to be a good team if your defensive backfield stinks. If their defensive backfield can be just okay, then it opens the door for them to win the division. Can that happen? We'll see. For Washington, it's the quarterback position, and really it's 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 the offense in general. Can they get enough out of this offense, you know, to get the points on the board where their defensive line, which is where their strength is, can really go after the quarterback. And then Philadelphia, can they score enough points? We have their quarterback, running back, and wide receiver positions, Lance, all ranked worst or next to last. It's hard to win that way. So can those young groups, and Philly's wide receiver core is young, their quarterback's a second-year player, can that group put it all together, and score enough points for Philadelphia. So to me, those are the tipping points for each one of these teams that could propel any of them into being a division champion or potentially finishing in last place. Well, it's funny when you broke down the defenses for the Giants and the Cowboys, I look at them as opposites, and what I mean by that is I think Dallas is going to look to the front seven to help maybe shorten the gap with respect to the secondary. Because remember, they struggled against the run last season, too. They so struggled Dallas, against everything. <laughs> well, but specifically, there were games where oh, they sure. just could not stop the yeah. ground game. So yeah. I think they're saying to themselves with an improvement at the linebacker position and knowing that we have some decent guys off the edge, if we get pressure on the quarterback, we stop the run, it takes pressure off of the secondary. Then I think the Giants are of the mindset, we like our secondary. If we could cover well, then we'll help the guys up front get to the quarterback because they'll have a little bit more time. So once again, I look at those groups as opposite. They have question marks, but it's the flip. It's the reverse. So that could be somewhat of an X factor to monitor. And the other thing that I'll add to your points about Philadelphia is can Nick Sirianni and that coaching staff benefit from the land of the unknown? And what I mean by that is the fact that you don't know what this Philadelphia team is going to look like. We don't know what the defense identity is going to be. We don't know what... They're going to run on offense. Remember, that benefited a team like Washington because you really didn't know what Ron Rivera was going to do. Is he going to duplicate Carolina? Are they going to do something different outside the box? So sometimes that could work in your favor and that could 
shorten the gap, as I referenced earlier with the Dallas Cowboys. So that's something to watch out. That could be the one edge that Philadelphia can hang its hat on that these other teams can't because now the Giants, the Cowboys, and Washington, they're bringing back what they established last season. Philadelphia has that newness. Maybe that all of a sudden works in their favor to some capacity. We'll see. It'll be interesting. And again, I'll pop on with Jeff and Paul tomorrow, and we can do the second half of our rankings here for them. We'll see where they're come up with. Can can ball can Paul break like the forty point barrier for the Giants? We know he's going to try. Can he? <laughs> can he do it? We'll find out tomorrow on Big Blue Kickoff Live. All right, we got fifteen minutes. Let's do calls the rest of the way, folks. I knew that exercise was going to take a while, um, which is fine though. I think it's 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 a fun exercise to kind of get us, get us ready for the season in the NFC East. Caller, you've been very patient. Thank you very much. You're on the line. What's your name? Where are you calling from? How you doing? This is Jason from New Haven. Jason, what's up, man? What's going on? Thanks for taking my call. Um, I'm trying to make it as quick as I can so you get some more people. Um, a few points and then a question. Um, Lance, I, I wanted to say I agree with your quarterback ranking um, as far as the division. I will probably take Daniel in front of Fitzpatrick just because he's a little younger. That, and it's yep. his second, second year in the in – the, um, Jason Garrett's offense, I'll probably give him that little bit of an edge. We did um, the same thing. We agree. Right. Yeah. Um, and then one more. The I don't know if you guys did it. I caught a little bit. I missed some of it. Now, when we talk about D-line, as far as edge rushers are concerned, we're probably last in the division. I, I, we're pretty sure we're last in the division, even though we have increased the competition in the room. That's what we had, rushers. too. We agree. Um, but to be honest, I think our D-line – um, as far as the deep tackles, interior deep tackles, I think we're number one in the division. I understand the Washington with the Paynes and Allens, but as far as youth um, and having three first-rounders potentially starting with Shelton, he'll probably start as the nose tackle, and he's nothing to sneeze at. B.J. B. Hill had a great rookie year with five sacks. He kind of got lost when we traded for Williams. Yeah, but and remember, keep in mind, not to cut you off, Jason, I keep mm-hmm. saying this, three of those five-and-a-half sacks came in one game. So, you know, let's right. at least be fair in terms of the context of that right. situation. But, and and, and that, was, that was also three years ago now. Correct. Right, yeah. no, I know. But you know how sacks are. Sacks come in bunches sometimes. So Sure, I try, cause, sure you know, but when a guy has five and you're telling me three of them came in one game, it's, it's one thing to say they come in bunches. It's another thing to say that he pretty much had one game that produced all of his sacks. <laughs> I mean, you know, right. we, no, we got to no, at least I, be fair. No, no, I get it. I, I just know that, you know, a few fans want a Hassan Reddick, and he had 20 sacks against us last year. So, like I said, <laughs> sometimes sacks come in bunches sometimes. But I get what you're saying with BJ Hill, but I think he is a good – the tackle. So I would push back and say I think we have the best interior D defensive line. You can make that argument. Division. I think I, yep. I think we do. But um, one more point then a question. Um, as far as the defense as a whole, I know you guys are breaking down groups. I think as a whole, I think our defense. I know everybody's saying Washington because of that pass rush. Um, but as far as the defense concerned, when you go top to bottom, um, as far as the collection. I personally think we have the best defense in the division. No knock to Washington. They have a lot of great pass rushers. Well, they only really have two. They have Sweat and Chase Young. They don't really have anything behind that. Their linebackers, to me, are they're okay. Well, the Jason, Jason, but that's like saying, oh, well, you know, they all they have is two potential All-Pro starters, but what else do they have? I mean, I think anyone would well, sign no, up for those two guys. Well, and those guys are going to get the bulk of the snaps. Plus, yeah. Matt Ioannidis, right. Allen, and Payne could get pressure on the quarterback, too. Yeah, that's true. Right. I just meant in terms of 
their linebacking, their secondary doesn't really. Now they did get William Jackson, absolutely, but the secondary doesn't scare me like a Rams secondary or a Ravens secondary. The same with Dallas, their secondary. Who knows who they're going to start on this? Like you said, safety wise, and then the Eagles. I mean, no disrespect to the Eagles, but their safeties and corners don't really do it for me. I just meant as a whole, I think our defense can go toe-to-toe with a lot of the top defenses in the league. Now, we have to prove it on the field, of course. But Yeah, like Jason, I, I would say it depends what you value more, right? I think if you value the front more, I think you can make an argument for Washington. If you, argue, if you value the secondary more, I think that's the argument for the Giants. Lance and I had them in a dead heat. That, that's how we had them ranked. We had them both literally in our ranking system even. I had him 15 points and 15 points. Lance had him 14 points and 14 points. So, right. you know, we had him dead even, but I think you can make an argument for either either side. Remember, as a unit overall, Washington's defense was better than the Giants last year. It was. Okay. It was better. Yeah, statistically, right. 100%. Yeah. And here's the other thing. Go to the Super Bowl. Thank okay? you, Jason. Tampa Bay didn't have a great secondary, but that those guys up front really made you not even talk about the secondary. So to answer your question, John, I value the guys up front. And that's why Washington, to me, gets the edge over the Giants, even if you look at the group as a whole. Because Washington, I know, can get after the quarterback. They could do it with multiple guys, and they could do it consistently. The Giants, I think that has yet to be determined. Yeah. Look, I think you can make that argument. I agree. And I think the ability to consistently pressure the passer, I do think you have real questions with the Giants. I think that's fair. And I, I like the Washington's cornerbacks. William Jackson's good. Yeah. Kendall Fuller's really good. And Jimmy Moreland's okay as a slot guy. Sure. So I think their corners are actually, they're not as good as the Giants' corners, but I think they're very solid. You know, we'll see how Landon Collins is coming back off that injury. I think you worry about that with his mobility and things like that. But look, to me, Washington, and if you, again, if you look at their overall performance last year, Washington probably had a top three, top four defense in the league last year. They were that good. So, take that how you want. Both defenses will be very, very strong. And frankly, whichever offense plays better will probably determine which one of those two teams finish ahead of each other in the division, to be honest with you. And I think there's probably a little bit more pressure on the Giants' offense than there is Washington's offense, at least at this point. 973-667-1960. Let me get the... uh, I said, let's go to caller. Call <coughs> I, tried to get that in. I tried to get that in before I sneezed. I couldn't. I'm like, let's get to the caller. And then I couldn't do it. All right. I'll read the copy now. Limited Giant season tickets are on sale now for the That's 2021 season. I know. That was sm- not, not enough. It was in smooth, baby. In addition to ticket savings, membership benefits include access to exclusive events, experiences, pre-sales, and more. You can lock in your seat starting at just 100 bucks. Call 888-NYG-1925 or visit Giants.com slash tickets for more information. Let's get vaccinated. Go to COVID-19 nj.gov slash vaccine to register and don't miss out on your chance to experience a premier hospitality experience watching giant games and world-class concerts in 2021 as a giant suite partner limited full season locations are available or place a deposit for individual games call 888 nyg1925 or visit giants.com slash suites for more information let's go back to the phones and say what's up to our next caller you're on the air what's your name where are you calling from Hey, guys. Len from Columbia, Len, Maryland. I was thinking about you the other day. I haven't talked to you in like two weeks. How's everything? I hope you're okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. no, I'm, I'm good. Great. Um, I, I just, I, so many things were going on. I'm trying to improve my golf game, uh, a couple of the family things on the positive side going on. It, uh, But I've been listening. You know, I, 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 you know, I catch it on the archived uh, portion. And, Great. Uh, 
So I've, I've been keeping up with what you're saying. But thanks for asking. And uh, I, I had a one-liner to open up with, John. I was going to say my, my comments to follow are nothing to sneeze at. You, you got an early start. <laughs> very, very good. Thank you. That's, that's pretty good. Not bad. <laughs> um, nice exercise. And I, I would agree with just about, you know, even where you and Lance were a little off on the numbers, I thought it was a pretty good argument for why you were at that particular number. So that was a good exercise. Um, I, I got a little confused in your defensive um, identifications, um, you know, edge rusher, off-ball linebacker, uh, you know, things of that nature. Uh, you, you know, sometimes you get to thinking when you when you mention those names that, you know, you're playing 13 or 14 people. Uh, you're still only playing 11. Well, yeah, but you use different formations, so different yeah, guys are yeah, on the field yeah, at different times, yeah, you know? Yeah, 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 I know, I know. Um, the, the thing that I keep worrying, worrying about is, you know, the, the um, advantages that a team like Washington has, for, for example, in the front seven. Uh, in, in particular, the front players and the two guys at the edge. Uh, you know, how do we? How does the team compensate for that, or do they just overwhelm you on the day of the game? Right, that's a good point. Um, and that's that's what you know. It's almost got to be weighted a little bit, but uh, you, you know, we're counting on that offensive line, and when we keep talking about improvement, but uh, you know, you got to ask John how much improvement is going to be enough. No, Lennon, you're right, and I think you make a good point because if you look at the offensive rankings, right, I have the Giants in second place or first place in all the offensive rankings except for one on offensive line. But here's the problem. If that offensive line is really bad, it's going to naturally reduce the impact of the other position groups because you can't utilize them as well. So you're right. Same thing with Philadelphia, right? With with, with their quarterback in last place, that can impact their other groups too. So you're right. Right. It's all interconnected. Yeah, it could elevate Philadelphia if they get good pass protection and good run blocking. Yeah, 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 right. You know, how good is it as, uh, you know, in handling our our defensive front? Um, You know, you look at a guy like Chase Young – Geez, well, we're going to be able to control him. I know sweat is good, but uh, you know, young is really going to be off the planet. And uh, oh yeah, second year for him. Look out, he could have a yeah, monster oh year. Oh my goodness! goodness. And you know, you know, hopefully, uh, you know, we drafted Andrew right after him. <laughs> so hopefully, uh, you know, Andrew can handle him. You know, there's enough growth on Andrew's part that he can handle Chase Young. Well, and the funny thing too, despite the offensive line struggling last year, they actually played two of their better games against Washington. Which yeah, they is did. Funny. Yeah, you, you, yes, yes. That's a that's a you know a very good point. Um, back back to your position designations. You, you know, you didn't do, and I'm not suggesting that you should have. I, you were you were you you were doing it in totality, but uh, you know, you got slot receiver. You know, the third down situation, slot receiver against um, you know our our slot cornerback. Um, yeah, you know the gadget plays. Uh, you know Boston. Uh, you know the guy from Philly against yeah, Tony. Yeah, Boston Scott. Yeah, 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 Boston Scott and Tony. I mean, Tony's going to be an integral part of the offense. Uh, uh, yeah, you know how much does that really improve? How much does that really improve our team? Um, you know, a lot of question marks, and I'm, I'm, you know, I'm a little worried about the injuries. Um, you know, I hope. You know, I hope Barkley gets back right away. I hope Rudolph can play right away. X Man, Carter, etc. What what I'm really hoping for, injury wise, is that those four guys are on the field 
in that Philadelphia game right before the break. And to me, that's really the start of the season. That that's the run to the playoffs starts that night. Well, Lance, I, well, Len, I would be very confident that Lorenzo Carter is on the field even the first game of the season. He looked more than fine. Yep, that's so. that's what I've been reading too, and that's what I've been hearing from you guys as well. And I hope you know, I hope that's true. Um, w- would you be surprised if if Barkley was on preseason pup? I'm sorry, say that again, Len. Would you be surprised if Barkley was placed on the preseason pup list? Um, to start training camp? No, yeah. that, that would not shock me. Would I be mildly surprised? Eh, no, no, I don't think I would be. If, 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 look, if the Giants want to take it cautiously with Saquon Barkley, I don't think that's a bad thing, to be honest with you. I don't. No, yeah. I don't, I don't well, think plus so Plus, they could always activate him before the season, too. And, so. and, and, and let me put it this way, and I think Lance are in full agreement on this, too. We're not going to see that dude in any preseason games. No, that's more of <laughs> a reason why I wouldn't be no, surprised no. if he was yeah, on pop. Right? Exactly. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised in either. Fact, and in fact, look, I wouldn't be surprised, and I wouldn't be terribly worried either, if that preseason pup list translates into a regular season pup list, and and we don't see Barkley. Uh, I don't know how how long you have to stay six. on the how six long weeks. you have to stay on the pup list. What six is it, weeks. Four or five weeks. It's six six weeks. weeks. It's a long time. I, yeah. I mean, it's, that's a while. Yeah, yeah, see, well, I think it makes more sense, Len, under your circumstance, is you then put him on IR because then you could bring him back sooner because of the new rules. Well, are, we, sh- are, we, well, sure those, are to... we sure those rules are translating, Len? Do we know no, but, sure? I mean, there's been some buzz right. that there's a good chance yeah. that they will roll over. Nothing's yeah, yeah, been official yeah. to your point, John, but the latest chatter is that they feel as if they are going to roll over the rules that were okay. utilized last that year. Would, yeah, but, that would be but, helpful. Yeah, Lance, let me, let me ask you this question uh, on, on the rules. Um do you have to do you have to be on the regular season roster in order to be eligible for a call back from IR? In other words, do you, do you have to make the fifty three and then be placed on correct? On yes, IR? yeah. You can't start the season on IR, then they finalize the fifty three, and then all of a sudden be eligible to bring back. Because if you remember, there was the name is escaping me. There was a fullback on the Giants, the former Steeler. John something, that last name for some reason I'm blanking on. And there was a lot of chatter. He got hurt before the season, the preseason ended, and people were like, well, you know, maybe they could store him. The problem is you can't put a guy on IR before you finalize the 53 and there then bring go. him back. There you go. Yeah, yeah. okay. You know, what, I, what I could see with Barkley, and I don't know if they're going to do this, maybe they, like, take him off pup right after that final preseason game. And then you kind of give them that two weeks to practice with the team yes, yes. leading up to the regular season. Right. And then you make your decision as you get to that final 53. If you're going to IR him for a couple weeks, if he's ready, I wouldn't be surprised if something like that happened. Let me, let me ask you a question about Rudolph. Um, is, is Rudolph going to be another Remmers? We're, we're really not going to see him on the field until we get to the regular season? Mm. You, you know how we went through protecting Remmers and his back. Mommy, he it's going to be the same foot. deal with Rudolph and his foot. I mean, look, you have to be careful with foot injuries. Do I think oh, we'll boy, see Kyle yeah. Rudolph in oh, a preseason boy. game? I think probably not. Um, but there didn't seem to be much concern with him being ready to go. So are they going to be cautious with him, you think, in, in training camp? Yes. Do I think he will be involved in a training camp practice? How about 50-50 on that? Yeah, okay. Okay. You know, I, th- I Rudolph, um, I, I don't know, I... I He's he's not the same Kyle Rudolph, but I'm I'm really looking at him to be that real third down difference. Red zone too, Len. Oh my goodness, yeah. yes. Oh man, he catches anything. 
anything that hits his body, yep. he hangs on to. I mean, uh, he, I think he, I think he's our, he's he's our secret. I, I think he's our secret weapon. Poor hey, man, Jason one. Witten is basically how I would describe how they're going to use him. Yeah. Hey, quick, quick one. I won't take too much time on this. Just a little, little break session. Sure. My um, youngest granddaughter. Uh, softball team in the quarterfinals down here in Maryland state championships. High school? She's having a, yeah, high school nice. state championships. Yeah, 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 yeah. She's having a great she's having a great season too. Hey, listen, thanks thanks for giving me that thirty seconds. And you you guys stay well. And we'll be, obviously be talking soon. Look forward to talking to you again, Len. Thanks All right, man. Time, let's do it. Bye bye. Good to hear from Len. It's been a while for Len. Lance? Yeah. Well, it could have been also the fact that you know with one line, I you can't necessarily get through all the time too. Hey, we have good to for least... him though. It's been nice out. Play some golf. Yeah. Oh, I was going to ask him about the cicadas. I, I, think, I, I think he's in, like, cicada land. Oh, he is? No, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's possible. Oh, yeah, because yeah, uh, right, right around D.C., obviously. Ooh. Yeah, where the capital is uh, being attacked by them, apparently, <laughs> in terms of uh, <laughs> where you stand and where you're situated. Will Johnson, by the way, was the fullback oh, I was thinking of. Will Johnson, I just looked it up. Jeez, I didn't even remember that name, yeah. to be honest. He was the guy that got hurt. And then they had put him on IR, and then I believe there was a settlement. They let him go, but he was ineligible to return because he got hurt before they finalized the 53-man roster. Yeah, I think guys like Barkley and Rudolph Lance, there's no reason to push them in no, August. No, not at all. Yeah. Zero. It's not Teams like- are going to take it easy, which normally happens with guys returning from injury about their participation in training camp at preseason games. And let's face it, it's not like Saquon and Kyle Rudolph need reps in preseason right. games, okay? You know, I understand Saquon maybe doesn't have as much experience as Kyle Rudolph, but I still think you could get away with prioritizing that he's in full health and full strength, ready to go for the regular season. So if you needed to move him from pup to then the 53 to then IR, because maybe he's still not ready to go and he needs another two weeks, at least you know you put him on IR, assuming the rules roll over, you could bring him back without him having to sit for more than a quarter of the season, which I don't think the Giants want to position themselves. And again, this isn't going off any inside information. This is just my instinct. I would be surprised if he was on PUP to start the regular season. Oh, so would I. Yeah. Well, because I don't think that the Giants in their right mind, even if, hypothetically speaking, John, Saquon is still iffy. You know, you want to maybe give him another week to get his body right or whatever. Why would you want to have him gone for six weeks? No. It no. just, it's not worth it. Yeah, I mean. Especially if you have the means to get him back sooner. Yeah, and just, you know, that 53rd spot on the roster for a chance to get back Saquon earlier, that's a sacrifice you should be willing to make. Sure. All right, 100%. Have, one more caller came in, Lance. We only took a couple this show. I want to squeeze one more in before you say goodbye. Caller, you're on the air. What's your name? Where are you calling from? Caller, you're on. We hear somebody breathing. He's moving around. He's breathing. Yeah. He's there. Going once. Okay, caller, if you're Hello. on hold, yes, that's who I'm talking to. What's your name? Where are you calling from, sir? Oh, my name is Khalid. I'm calling from New York. You say Khalid? Khalid, I'm calling from New York. Khalid, what's up, man? What, what can we do for you? What do you got? Hey, man, I'm so sorry. I didn't know that I was calling. I thought I was just calling to listen. That's it. I'm sorry. Oh. <laughs> I think I did. Do you yeah, have a, do have a question for us? Do you have a question um, or no, a comment? What do you got? No, not, not right now, man. I'm just really, really intrigued on what we, what we got going on this season, man. I, you know, so... I'm just excited, man. I'm awesome. Really excited, well, if, if, so. if you want to listen, instead of calling the number, just click on the link, and you can get it that way. Or if you're, po- if you're on podcast, you can just subscribe to the podcast. It'll get sent to you every day. All right, Khalif? Okay. Thank you. Thank I you, appreciate pal. It. Appreciate the call. All right. Well, we squeezed in one more. How about that? There you go. All right. Lance, good stuff, my friend. Um, we'll talk to you soon.
Sounds good. You got it. For Lance Meadow, I'm John Schmelk. That's today's episode of Big Blue Kickoff Live on Giants.com and the Giants mobile app. Of course, the archive of this show can be found on your favorite podcast platforms. Just search for Big Blue Kickoff Live. For Lance Meadow, I am John Schmelk. We will talk to you next time, everybody. Stay safe out there.